0: Good morning. Are you awake? Are you ready to go? Daylight savings helping or changing or... I'm going to back up. Harder, better? I know when you have small children, it doesn't really matter, does it? They get up at the same time. So as summer seems to be the season for weddings, so the holidays often are a season for engagements. And this, uh, this week, 32 years ago, my husband proposed to me to kind of beat the holiday rush um, and to try to surprise me. I mean, he didn't think they were all rushing to propose to me, but expect, the expectation that he would propose. So he wanted to ensure that I was surprised, and I truly was very surprised. We had not talked about it. I did not pick out my own ring. No, I was, it was all a surprise to me. And after I said yes, my first question was, when? When? And he said, anytime between May and August. May! was my quick response. I was anxious to start life together with him. and be, But being engaged can be awfully distracting, right, for any of you? After thousands of wedding details and thousands of reception dollars, often very unimportant to the groom, a bride can be ready for the big day but not ready for marriage. She's kind of lost sight of the groom. And although wedding celebrations in Jesus's day did last seven days, they were quite a shindig, um, they were less distracting for a bride. She was out of control. The father of the groom, as the initiator of the engagements called betrothals in Jesus's day, took the steps necessary to ensure that his son and his future wife were ready, were prepared for life together before the wedding day. Though biblical scholars differ on the details, most agree that the first step Towards marriage was initiated by the father of the groom he pursued the bride's family made an arrangement for the marriage with a bridal price again he was not purchasing her as property but he was recognizing her value as she would come to be part of his family then after the groom had completed building their home and the father thought the groom was ready for his bride he was the one that sent the groom to go get her for the wedding ceremony And the wedding ceremony, interestingly, was only a few were invited. And it took place after the bride had a ritual immersion for cleansing. And that's it. She didn't bring anything to the wedding other than herself. She gave herself fully to him and to his family. I am yours. Finally, the marriage feasts, with many guests, followed, and again, often lasting up to a week. In first century Palestine, without a groom... A woman had no future she was lost she could she could be lost in a life of destitute but if a man said yes to serving her that that serving for her she would have a home her betrothal was yes to being ready to be taken home to his home so as you know throughout scripture God's people are referred to as a bride Throughout the Old Testament, we are prepared that we are a bride. And then in the New Testament, Jesus is identified as our groom. The Son of God, Jesus, says yes to being sent to earth to gather his bride. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many to serve and sacrifice for us, Mark ten forty five. So in Luke ten thirty eight to 42, this is why Jesus is sent to Mary and Martha. Love collides into Martha and Mary's life when Jesus enters their house. Now, what's critical to understand is he did not enter Martha's house to be made at home, but to prepare them for their eternal home. And that's what we'll be looking at today. Jesus did not enter Martha's house to be made at home, but to prepare the sisters for their eternal home. So would you stand with me to read Luke 10? We'll start with this first introduction to Mary and Martha, Luke 10, 38 to 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Oh, Father, may this be us right now, in this moment. Free our anxious, troubled, busy minds. Enable us by your grace to stand before you, the Lord of the universe, and hear your words of life and love. May they collide powerfully for your glory and our joy. And your bride says, amen. So beginning with this account of Jesus serving Martha and Mary, we're going to find that Jesus says yes to being sent by God to two sisters. to to then serve for two sisters and then be sacrificed to take two sisters home. So again, beginning with Luke 10, we see Jesus is sent from the Father. He is sent from the Father to tell two sisters about their eternal home, where they really belong. Martha thought Jesus was coming into her house to be made at home, didn't she? As mistress of the house, she was responsible for the expected eastern hospitality, which was rich. Martha gave her energy, time, resources, reputation, and her freedom at this point to serve Jesus. Hostility has risen. People are out to—people are murderously angry at Jesus. And Jesus and his disciples likely arrive unexpectedly. We don't know how many he had with him, but it could have been probably all 12. So from her comments to Mary and to Jesus, Martha is convinced that anxious, distracting— Distracted serving is what everyone expects of her, what everyone expects of her and what everyone expects of Mary. In fact, she's convinced Jesus expects this because you know that from her words. Jesus, tell her, tell her. Mary, sorry, Martha looks to Jesus to back her efforts to make the men at home. Mary doesn't appear to put this expectation upon herself or from Jesus, That she anxiously served Jesus and his disciples, but in fairness, it's not Mary's home. It's not expected of her in the same way as it was being expected of Martha. Mary sits to hear from Jesus. She sits as one who believes Jesus has been sent from the Father for her. Mary's posture reflects a desire for continual and ongoing understanding of who this Jesus is and why he came. She seizes this moment to sit at his feet. She will not let this moment pass her by. She wanted to catch, believe, abide, submit to every word that fell from his mouth, not letting it fall to the ground, but instead find its home in her heart. She wanted to live it, experience it, teach it. This is what her posture communicates. What Luke is intending for us to see is that she plans to take Jesus Words and serve him with them. She is planning to serve. This is not passive, this is active. But she's learning his heart for her service. Her posture is that of a disciple. Again, it is not passive, it's active. And this is a reversal of the rabbinic practices, Jesus encouraging Mary to listen to him. This was unusual. This was actually quite scandalous for a woman to hear and sit at the foot of a rabbi. He was letting her take part in his ministry. He was not advocating quiet contemplation. He was not advocating self-care, but soul care. He was not ripping on Martha's service. He was redeeming her service. Jesus affirms Mary for listening to what cannot be taken from her. And this phrase means that he is giving her his words regarding the kingdom of God, that he is the promised Messiah king. The words that he was giving her words of eternal life that he is speaking of her promised eternal home, the way home. John Piper says Jesus loves us by showing us himself. Measure God's love for you by how much of himself he shows you. How much of himself he gives you to know. And enjoy. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Not just know about him. Enjoy him. Enjoy him. That is how we glorify the Lord. Not understanding this is why Jesus was sent to Martha. To know him. To enjoy him. Martha puts unrealistic expectations on herself, Mary, and Jesus. Because she doesn't get it that he wants her to enjoy him. And that he is there to even enjoy her. I was reminded of our son's wedding, graciously invited to the bridal room just before the wedding. I realized that my daughter-in-law-to-be did not have her veil. She had already taken all the pictures with her bridal party, and the veil was missing. I was a little bit concerned to tell her. I thought, am I going to trouble her? She's about you know half an hour from going down the aisle. But there was time to go to the house where they had prepared to maybe get the veil. So I thought, oh, I'm going to take a risk, a big mother-in-law risk, right? Um, you're missing the veil, calmly. She was like, oh, well. It was amazing. Somebody was able to go get the veil in time, but I was blown away. Her focus was on the one thing that was not going to be taken from her. She was going to get to marry my son. I realize her response, in part, is her personality, but she also has a merry heart. I long to be like my daughter-in-law. When it comes to serving Jesus, I am a recovering, slowly recovering Martha. My name is Patty, and I am a Martha. (laughs) Serving Jesus is tricky for me. I am easily convinced that when I'm sitting at his feet to prepare to teach, or to lead, or to counsel, that I am truly just listening and enjoying him when all the while my mind is spinning on how I will use it to encourage others. In fact, this very message that I gave six years ago was so confusing because there was so much detail in it that for because I love you dearly and I wanted to sit at Jesus' feet, I have spent hours cleaning it up for you to get to the one thing. Jesus has said to me in the past six years, Patty, Patty, sit at my feet. Begin each day with me in a place in my word that you're not teaching, you're not counseling, you're not leading. Begin each day in a place in my word that you cannot use. It's just for us. Let me inform you. Let me transform your service for me. If Martha had opened herself to understanding why Jesus was sent to her, she would have been free to prepare only what was needed to enjoy Jesus. Martha, like Mary, would have begun to see that Jesus was sent to their house, not to be made at home, but to prepare the sisters for home. That which makes us to more fully understand this now, Martha and Mary will experience that that which makes us long for another home, the death of someone we love. Is there anything that makes us long for another home than when someone we love dies? Probably just six weeks after being in Martha's home, their brother Lazarus come, becomes sick, and the sisters send word to Jesus Jesus, Lazarus, whom you love. They're getting it, aren't they? Whom you love is ill. Translated, hurry. John eleven four. 4, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death to his disciples, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And Jesus waited four days. And in that time, or waited two days, but it ended up being four. In that time, Lazarus dies. And Sisters, there is nothing more surreal, more permanent, more desperate, more sad than when someone dies that we love. We, are never, feel, we never feel more homeless on this earth than when someone we love dies. Jesus is not late in spite of loving Lazarus, but because He loves Lazarus, just like Jairus' daughter. He is not late in spite of loving Lazarus. He is late because he loves Lazarus. In fact, he's on time. It is in this moment that Jesus will say yes to serving Martha and Mary by declaring and demonstrating that he is making a way home. So picking up in John 11 now, John's account of Martha and Mary. 20 to 22, we see, So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. She is not begging him to do something. She's declaring that she still has faith in him, even though Lazarus has died. Obeying the Father, Jesus waited so that he could reveal he is from God He is actually God's son. See, the rabbinic belief at the time was that the soul hovers around the body for three days, waiting to see if the body will maybe revive. Maybe it wasn't truly dead. But after three days, this rabbinic teaching believed that then then the soul departed, and there was nothing left but a body. So Jesus waits till the fourth day. So there is certainty that Lazarus is dead, that this is not a mere resuscitation, but this is truly a resurrection from the dead. He waits till death is irreversible. Both Martha and Mary's response later revealed that the sisters do not know Jesus could touch with a word, could heal with a touch or a word. He could heal from far away or from near. They thought he had to be present. They thought he had to touch. Martha and Mary did not think Jesus knew Lazarus' condition was as bad as it was based on what they say to him. What the sisters have is an incomplete understanding of Jesus' power and mission, and he's about to change that. Jesus waited for Lazarus to die to reveal he is not just from God, that he is God's son, and that the Father has arranged a way, has sent Jesus to arrange a way to bring us home that he sends Jesus for this very purpose. John eleven twenty three 23 to 25a, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I and the Father are one. I am. I am the I am. I am the I am of Exodus. I am the I am of the the Old Testament. We, Father and I, have made an arrangement to offer you a life you've never known. I am God in flesh. I have come to give you eternal life. I have come to give you the life for which you have longed, where death cannot enter in. Amen, sisters, where you will never feel homeless again. Ever. Ever. I am the author of resurrected life. I am the source of resurrected life. And in these statements, Jesus brings the idea of resurrection out of the scrolls, ancient scrolls and shadows, into life and into the light. See, the Jews believed there was a resurrection on the last day, and they were right, but this was an incomplete view. It is not just the last day that eternity begins with me, but today, right now, right here. The resurrection is a present reality You can know and taste eternal life now, not completely, but certainly. We can taste resurrected life right now in this room, not completely, but certainly. We can taste it. John Piper says, you live and believe in me, and so you will never die. There will never be one millisecond when you are out of saving fellowship with me. That is why we can taste it now, because to know Jesus is eternal life. Today, Jesus says, I am here saying yes to serving you, that you might see I have come to serve for you. With me is a home, and it begins now. It lasts forever, and I want you. I want you. Your life will not, cannot be interrupted by physical death if you trust in me. Do you believe this, Martha? John eleven twenty six. 26, she says to him, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ. She's saying the king, the son of God who has come into the world. She is declaring faith that he is the promised deliverer. Martha, can your faith go beyond this? Confidence that your brother will rise on the last day. Can you go, go beyond just thinking and personally trust me? with your heart, with your life, to give you eternal life, to resurrect you? Opening his word this morning, this week, Jesus has been asking this of you and me. And I love hearing testimonies of what he's speaking into your life. And one shared one with me, and she gave me permission to share hers. She, just this past week, had a visit with the cardiologist and learned of a possible blockage and the possible need for a stint. And she writes, I have been able to keep my eyes on the Lord with peace, knowing he knows my days. And she reminded me of a young mom I had the privilege of walking with several years ago through a life-threatening heart condition, very dangerous. She would die without surgery, but she would potentially die in surgery with two two small children. Understandably, she was wrecked with fear and grieving over the potential loss for herself and for her children. She did come through the surgery. And I'll never forget what she said to me after her recovery. I am no longer afraid of death. He was so sweet to me through the whole process, loving me patiently through my tremendous fear, that I am no longer afraid of dying. No millisecond when you are out of saving fellowship with Jesus. Do we believe this? Martha says, yes, perfect tense, meaning I'm going to keep pressing into this belief. I'm a work in progress. I know you are the Christ. I know you are the Son of God. I know you are the Messiah, but I also know I don't get it. Do you feel that way? I did this morning. Lord, I so don't get this. Martha has genuine, solid faith, for it is in Jesus, but it is incomplete, just like Mary's. John eleven twenty nine 29 to 33, we pick up, and now when Mary came to, to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would have not died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Jesus now moves the sisters towards a greater understanding of who he is and why he came, by being deeply moved and troubled. Do you love that? Jesus wants them to understand who he is and why he came by being deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Do we know this about our Jesus? Do we know that he's deeply moved and troubled by what sin and death has done to his world? Deeply moved is a phrase in the scriptures used for snorting of horses. It was an actual expression a groaning that came from a person. Of people, it describes anger, outrage, indignation. And troubled is to be emotionally upset, stemming from empathy, grief, or pain. This is real. Can you see it? Can you hear Jesus? I think sometimes we just don't picture this. But this is how much he loves us and how angry he is over what has happened to his world. Why is he angry? Is he angry at their grief without hope? Is he angry at sin, sickness, and death? And I think it's both. He he is angry that we grieve without hope, but not at us, for us. He is not angry at them. He's angry for them. Jesus is grieving over what sin, again, has done to his world and that it leads to death and destruction. Jesus is pained over what death and unbelief does to us, the fear that it wrecks us with. John 11, 34, 35, Jesus says, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. You know, I don't mind that that's the first verse children learn. Maybe it's the most powerful one they should know. Silent weeping, not lamenting, for Jesus knew he came to take us home. He's grieved knowing the bridal price he will pay to take us home, the price only he can pay. John Calvin writes, Christ does not come to the tomb as an idle spectator, but like a wrestler preparing for the contest. Therefore, no wonder he groans again. For the violent tyranny of death, which he had had to overcome, stands before his eyes. The hell and unbelief of death is what he's going to wrestle out. For you and I, that's the price. John eleven thirty eight 38 to 44, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, she's got the details, man. Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? I wonder how much glory I miss, because I don't believe. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the man who had died came out. His hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth, Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. What a moment. And Jesus is very clear. He never prays in vain. Isn't that encouraging to think as he's interceding for us at the right hand of the Father, bringing all things together? Jesus never prays in vain, not silent or out loud. He prays out loud that Martha and Mary and all might see that he is not only from God, but see the glory of God. He is God in flesh. That is the glory for only if he is God can he pay the price to unbind us from the fear of death, release us from the inescapable destruction that our sin deserves. Fully God, Jesus, had victory over physical death to rise Lazarus, but it was only a partial victory. Lazarus will die again. In fact, the Jews, will find out in the next chapter, are trying to kill him. Lazarus' resurrection pointed to a future ultimate and eternal resurrection of which he would never die. A complete victory over death promised through the coming Savior. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says it this way, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the ultimate victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. To give us a resurrection, Jesus, fully man now, had his hands and his feet bound to our cross. The perfect son of God experienced the worst of death, the horror of God's wrath, a thousand hells. There his space was hidden from his father for three hours. A separation and horror we can't even imagine as he was made sin for us. His yes to serving for us was to be sent to live our life and then die our death. Saying yes to serving Jesus now for you and me is doing anything that evidences we know he has been sent to us, that he has been sent to serve us, that he has been sacrificed to take us home. And this is what we see in Martha and Mary as they seize their last opportunity to serve Jesus before he would sacrifice his life. John 12 Verses 1 through 3, then six days before the Passover came, Jesus, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Martha and Mary say yes to recognizing that Jesus has come to take them home. They serve Jesus as sent from God in response to him serving them to take them home. The sisters' faith is deepened through ongoing understanding of Jesus' mission. The death of Lazarus is free, freed Mary and Martha from this home. And then the resurrection of Lazarus stirred their longing for the home that they would have with their groom, Jesus. Both sisters have been attentive, believing, abiding, submitting to every word of Jesus, increasing their overwhelming anticipation. And yet they stay the same. One serves and one, one lays at his feet. Neither rebuked, both received. Mary lays her earthly glory and security at the feet of the one who is willing to pay the massive bridal price necessary to secure his bride. And Martha is free to serve undistracted that others might know this groom. Together, the sisters are being prepared, and they're preparing others to recognize God's Son sent to serve, and soon sacrifices his life to prepare for you and me an eternal home. This side of the cross, they ask us, are we being readied? And are we readying one another for his return? He is returning for us. The price has been paid. It's just a matter of time. Are we abiding, believing, submitting, Letting the word cleanse us and set us apart and ready us. Are we readying each other? Are we serving one another in a way that encourages one another to know that he is the groom? To come to him when we're weary and heavy laden and find our rest? If we say yes to serving Jesus in this way, love and life will collide. As you're already experiencing at your tables with one another, because that stone was rolled away by the Father. And Jesus' face cloth was folded, lying linens. No one had to unbind him. He is risen, and we are alive with his spirit, cleansing us and clothing us for the day of his return, when we will rise together to our eternal home. Revelation 19:7 and 1 Thessalonians, let us rejoice and exult and give him glory for the marriage supper of, for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of a command and the sound of the trumpet, and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive who are left will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and so we will always be with the Lord, never die. Therefore, Encourage one another with these words. And that's where we're at right now. That's the beauty of this next hour we have together, is to encourage one another with these words. The one thing that cannot be taken from us is sitting at Jesus' feet right now. That's the only thing that cannot be taken from us because this word is unfading. It is eternal. To sit at his feet, not passively, but actively. To be readied and then move out and ready others for the marital bliss that is coming. Revelation 21, 3-4, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. What a reunion. Father, we thank you that because of Jesus, death for us is only the beginning. Oh, let that reality penetrate our hearts, that we might pour out everything we are in response to the one you sent to serve and sacrifice for us. May we not miss Jesus, the one thing which cannot be taken away from us, for his glory and our joy. Amen.